Welcome to Oilfield Talk. My name is Trey Falk, and I'm host of Oilfield Talk podcast. We want to speak with workers from all other aspects of the oil and gas industry and allow them the outlet to tell some crazy, amazing stories you just wouldn't believe are true. Not just the wildcats, the drillers, the roughnecks, the roustabouts, but the land-based offshore drilling operations, service companies, vendors, third-party personnel, production, transportation, all aspects of the industry that provide expertise throughout the oil field industry. But each of these have many, many hilarious stories to share about their time in the oil patch. I have no doubt that we will be able to share entertaining stories or tell tall tales that anyone who works in the industry will appreciate and get a hearty laugh while listening. But this is also going to be a family podcast. We'll be able to invite our families at home to listen. Although they won't believe half the stories we share, they may have a couple of dozen questions. Maybe it will give them and everyone a greater appreciation of the jobs we have in the oil field and why we enjoy our oil field family for half a year. So please take an hour or so out of your day. Give a listen to the Oilfield Talk podcast. Hope you enjoy the stories as much as I enjoy bringing them to you. All right, we're going to start that all over again, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Welcome to Oilfield Talk. I'm in Katy, Texas with my buddy Poncho and his son, Aiden. Yes. There we go. And I'm no longer sounding like a robot. That's a good thing. But my phone keeps ringing. So I guess I got to put that on silence. Actually, this is Brian. So let's go ahead and talk to Brian. Hi, Brian. You're on the air with Oilfield Talk. How are you? Hi, Trey. How are you doing? I'm fine. I'm sitting over here in Katy recording with a buddy of mine named Poncho and his son. And okay. I'm going to come visit you in a little while. Well, I wanted to make sure I'm headed back that way. It's supposed to be there around three. So hey, that's fine. Confirming with you. Yes, sir. I'll be there in an hour or so. All right, Tim. Thanks. All right. I'll talk to you later. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am going to put it on silence now because that was rude. I was actually waiting for him to call because hopefully he's the next one on the recording list. So. Pancho. Yes, sir. How the world are you? I'm great, man. I'm fantastic. I mean, look, I'm acting like we hadn't seen each other, but we just had lunch. Yeah. So he took me to Texas Tavern. Texas Tradition. Texas. Ah, there you go. Texas Tavern's a bar. Why didn't you take me there, Pancho? Oh, they're next. <laughs> no, they go there next. I like it. I like it. So, yeah, we had us a nice little lunch, caught up, and then decided... I was hoping he would. He agreed to record for us. We needed somewhere to plug in, and we ended up coming to his son's house. So we're hanging out with his son. His son's on the air with us. Say something. Hi. That's a lot to say. You want to say anything else? Not much, no. That's all right. We're going to get him into it. He yeah. recently graduated. 19 years old. 19 yeah. years old. Graduate. There you go. We're going to get him in the oil field soon, hopefully. Maybe. Hopefully engineering. Maybe one day. Maybe one day engineering. I like it. Hey, go get that oil engineer degree and I'll geophysics do, or something. Don't do what I did. <laughs> I roughneck too long. Yeah. And I met Poncho when he was a Derrickman, I believe. Yes, sir. So yeah. tell me something. Tell me uh, how you got in the oil patch. Um, well, I was a regular 95. I wasn't making any money. Uh, this is early 2000s. I wanted to go offshore. I wanted, little did I know, I was in a city where it all begins, you know, 
You want to work in the oil field. Houston's a place to be. That's right. And somehow somebody, my sister knew, knew somebody in the company we and Trey met at. Back then it was paper uh, application. <laughs> yeah, you actually had to yeah. go in, write out your information. Yeah, yeah same so thing for me. I sent them a resume. What year was that? 2005. There you go. 2005. So I was 97 a couple of years earlier. Yeah. So then they uh, sent me a package and I filled out more information. Since then, they called me in for interview. That's when I realized I saw kids from Mississippi driving out here, <laughs> sleeping in their truck. That's right. And they got turned turned away. And I just couldn't believe, man. They came out here on their own few dollars they had left. Absolutely. Yeah, man. It's crazy. Driving for the dream. Yeah. Houston's the place to find a job if you're looking. Yeah. And if there's one to be had in the oil patch... Yeah. It's going to be uh, the place to find it. Well, luckily, there was a few guys that caught them and told them, hey, look, another company was down the road at the time. So they sent them over to those big companies. And, right. I mean, if it's not here, there. And I know back then, at least, they would uh, help you find a job. If they didn't have one, they knew somebody. All those HR guys knew that. Oh, yeah. Especially in the city. Exactly. There was a lot of opportunity when I got hired on. And now it's all digital. You gotta, they don't even want to talk to you on the phone. You yeah. just send me your resume means fill out this application online, upload your resume. And if they call, they call. If they don't, don't bother them. Don't like it, but it is the way it's gone. Yeah. Even if you're not looking for a full job, that's the way it, it is today. You just, that's right. Everything's online and it's a mess. It's difficult, but yeah. you know, and but, we have to adapt with the times. But that's how I got started. I, I had a three-year plan. And uh, <laughs> how that worked yeah, out for you. One day I, I walk into a weekly safety meeting and they're like, oh, uh, Poncho, five years, congratulations. And mm -hmm. I, I was. how uh, that happened? Uh, man, yeah, I, I was like, I had a three-year plan. Buy a car and go back to a nine-to-five job. And Well, if you do the oil field math, I mean, three years at 28 and 28. Yeah. Is almost five years, six years. Yeah. So you, you had it on the bunny. Yeah. But ended up doing another four with them. Exactly. So I don't know what that went to. <laughs> and then you left and you went somewhere else and yeah. it stays in your blood. Yeah, it does. 12 hour shifts, 12 hours a day uh, really sticks to me. And ever since I got an oil field, I haven't had a job where I work less than 12 hours a day. Right. Yeah. It's just shift work. Yeah. Yeah. It's what we started out with. It's what we know. We feel comfortable with it. Yeah. You've worked 12-hour shifts? Well, no, not 12-hour shifts, but... What do you work? Little Caesars. No, what, 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 how many hours a day? Seven. He's working seven. Okay, so yeah. a seven-hour shift. Yeah. You know, that's your, I guess, typical nine-to-five kind of a thing with a lunch. Yeah. But... Uh, Actually not nine-to-five, though. No, he's just... Four to late no, night. No, it's this term we use, nine-to-five. It's just a normal eight-hour shift. Yeah. So, that's what you understandable. He's due to the workforce, so. Yeah. That's all right. Well, You're going to learn all that fun terminology. Yeah. Anyway, so that's that's it, man. I I, um, I didn't know what I was getting into. Honestly, I was chasing money. Yeah. 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 And uh, when I found it, I didn't know how hard it was going to be to earn that money. But I ended up loving it and uh, enjoying it. It was great. Good deal. I'm telling everybody, but I'm taking pictures of them right now. They're both grinning kind of funny side <laughs> ear to ear, but that's all right. I'm going to get some pictures to be able to put up. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll take some more pictures. Absolutely. I, I didn't know how you wanted me to be. Oh, absolutely gorgeous, just like me. Ah. Hot and sweaty. So let me explain, guys. We are sitting in the podcast trailer in Katy, Texas, with the doors open, the air conditioner on, so that we have a breeze. It is hot, but it's not miserable. I no. mean, it's comfortable. It's tolerable. Yeah, it's tolerable. We adapt and overcome. We had a plan, and that kind of fell through, and then we just find a different way around it. That's problem solving in the oil field. That's right, man. That's how we do it. You just find a solution. This is a nice setup, by the way. If you haven't been in his trailer, uh, it's really nice. He put a lot of effort and work into it. And it's Appreciate it. The uh, table kind of surprised him. What's it made out of again? Uh, shaker screens. <laughs> shaker screen. Yeah, man. And, yep. and uh, money is proof that he's been around the world. I've been around. So over here starts off with Russia. That was my first job. Believe it or not, I used to be that young. I see that. I was as young as you were once, believe it or not, 80. 25 years old, headed to Russia. Didn't have a clue. Paper, airplane tickets. Oh, yeah. That they had to mail to you on, like, mimeograph. They were, they had the carbon copies. Yeah, you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> you had, like, five pieces of paper all carbon copied together. It made that noise. That's right. Dot matrix. Yeah. So, there's Russian money, and then there's uh, Egyptian money, and there's Brazil, and there's... What is that? That's Egypt. Egypt. Oh, that's Egypt. That's Singapore, Singapore. Malaysia. Oh, where else? Myanmar. I don't know. There's it's money so from all over the place. It's got bills and coins. Yeah, I just wanted to put something together, both oil field and memorable for me. Yeah. It's got a lot of my little things through my career from graduating high school, becoming a paramedic, fireman, Boy Scouts. All the way through a bunch of trinkets for my kids. Yeah. So, uh, fireman school, I did. I know it was nothing compared to what y'all did, but, uh, yeah. Well, I'm actually firefighter one. So, oh, I did Delgado. I've been there, got the t shirt. Yeah, man. I did basic and advanced right after Katrina. Oh, yeah. We actually we had to be careful when we set fires. Power was in and out. It was in, you know, East New Orleans. Right. Oh, yeah. And so, uh, we had to make sure we were going to have, Water to pump. Oh, gosh. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They were doing brownouts. Uh, yeah. Electricity yeah. wasn't always working. East New Orleans, though, was gone. It was. Oh, yeah. Was, Seventh Ward. Yeah. All yeah. that. Yeah. It was a mess. Tell me about your oil field. Tell me, tell me, tell me something funny and crazy. And okay. You just wouldn't believe. Yeah. So we were. Uh, Do I need to turn the ears off of your son? No, no, okay. no, 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 no. <laughs> it's a funny story. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> we were doing a completion job on the. Uh, can I say a rig name? A rig name? Um, a rig. Oh, I was on a rig. I was there. We go. Sem semi submersible, and we were uh, going to do a workover. So we're pulling production tubing. We get the tubing to the surface, and we have wild well control out there, and they're drilling a hole. And what that hole is going to do is going to tell them of the. We weren't sure if the well was dead, right, or alive. So they drill a hole, little bitty hole. While we're drilling the hole, while they're drilling the hole, I pick up an 80-ton shackle and I drop it on the deck. Ooh. Everybody jumped. Jumped. <laughs> Tool pusher, a driller, everybody. And I'm cracking up laughing. It took everybody a minute to oh, laugh. Oh, God. Yeah, because they thought <laughs> everything just went boom. Yeah, they thought they were dead. Oh. Uh, the wild well control guys, they were really, 
They thought it was was great. Did they think it was funny? Yeah, my driller did. After think. they cleaned themselves? <laughs> yeah. Uh, they were pretty much the only two that were laughing the hardest. Oh, gosh. I bet they were. Yeah, Those guys man. are nuts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've got brass. Yeah. yeah A lot of brass yeah. to do what they do. They do. And then the guys that handle the explosives. I had a crazy story with that, too. Uh, Hang on one second for the explosives. Aiden, what we're talking about is the, the well might have been alive, which means there might have been pressure, right? Yeah. So it could possibly, boom. They don't know, and they're testing that, right? So they're drilling a hole to see if there's any pressure, and your dad drops a shackle, (laughs) and this shackle's as big as you are just about. I mean, it's... Oh, I thought and, it was a little bigger than that. Uh, you said 80 tons. Uh, well, I that's the big. weight that it can carry. The point is, he drops it on a metal floor, right? And makes this big, boom, scared the bejesus out of everybody. I just, I saw he might not get what it was, so yeah. I wanted to kind of fill him in. So he's, uh, you kind of see what we're talking yeah. about? yeah. I scared the crap out of everybody. Absolutely. Yeah, it was hilarious. For me, it was hilarious. Yeah, you thought it was funny. Everybody yeah. else didn't. Yeah, yeah. I bet you had to paint the top of the derrick at that point. <laughs> well, I was used to being up there anyway. <laughs> I wasn't uh, too likable of a guy sometimes. Oh, I don't know about that. I always liked you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So great. working with explosives is another very dangerous job. And back then, we were still working with explosives. They've perfected explosives where they're a whole lot safer now than they used to be. Yeah. Things like even a radio, keying up a radio could explode the explosives. We'd have to turn all the transmitters off on the rig. Yeah. You couldn't have any portable radios turn the main transmitters off because sometimes those frequencies could set it off. Tell me about your explosives because I'm sure this one scares somebody too. It was like a five foot stick of dynamite. All right. We're going into free point. We've been uh, setting jars off for about a week. Couldn't get it to free itself. And so we're going into free point. It's Christmas morning, 2006, I believe. Oh, 50, 60 mile an hour winds came out of nowhere. So, of course, we have. Gulf of Mexico? Yeah, Gulf of Mexico. Okay. And uh, we have two, two men on the rig floor to hoist. One here in the, the man. The, the guy, the, the explosive guy. And then I was with the explosives. Okay. So he gets above the wind wall. The wind. Wind took it. Oh. And, and these go off by pressure. All right. So it gets away from his hand. It's the Derek. Oh. Now it's, it's straight up and down. Now it looks like a big L. Oh. And he's like, drop. So I, I get it down. We get him down. And he, he has me holding this stick of it looks like a stick with beads like uh balls i don't right. know yeah like okay. ball bearings or yeah something. yeah okay and he's got me holding one end and he's trying to bend it bend it back into shape well this is going to cut the pipe down down home. Yes, yes so we got to understand the explosive he's talking about is going to go down this well He's going to explode it and, and separate the pipe because they're stuck in the hole right now. Okay. Yeah. So we can't pick up. We can't push down. The drill pipe is stuck in the hole. So he's going to free point, you know, to blow the, the, the drill pipe. So I was just explaining. Yeah. 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 No. Anyways, uh, you get it. I, I'm freaking out because now I don't. You're holding a stick of dynamite. Yeah. 
And he's like, no, nah, it's cool. And I'm like, it ain't cool, man. <laughs> I'm new to this, you know. Uh, we end up, he ends up uh, stopping the job. Company man had a fit. But I remember him telling me, nobody's going to get killed today. Exactly. And he, he, uh, that was back before stop the job was what it is today. Oh, yeah. That, that, that's when the company man would get upset. And yes. when the operators would have a small cow because somebody had the brass enough to shut the job down. That's right. And, and today, because of the accidents that have happened, because of the industry standards that have improved, the safety improvements, stop the job is well-known and preached throughout the, at least offshore industry for sure. Yeah. That even Aiden on his first day, if you're doing something and you don't feel safe, something in the back of your brain says, I don't understand or I don't want or whatever. And you say, stop. Everybody's going to stop and going to explain until you're comfortable. And it has slowed things down, but you know what else it's done? made things a lot safer. Yes. You know, when we came in, people were missing fingers, yes. missing eyes, missing several fingers because of accidents. And we heard all the horror stories. There's been tremendous safety improvements over the years. Oh. Yeah. I was on uh, another rig where uh, they had those uh, fiberglass push sticks. Fiberglass. Oh yeah. And their policy was they don't care if the man is, somebody is struggling, you don't put your hand on that load unless you sign the JSA. And you don't even touch the load. You're supposed to use the push stick. That's right. Yeah, and I was like, man, that, that was, it was a 10,000 pound load. Mm -hmm. It was a spider for the, so oh, yeah. yeah, man, I was like, nah. But I, I got put on a, another manual rig after that. The amazing thing, I remember when push sticks came out, when I started, it was manila rope. Yeah. You just go down and get a brown piece of rope. You cut it yourself, however long you thought you might need. Usually somebody tie a knot in the end of it or throw some duct tape around it and then go out and tie it on loads. And that was your tagline. Yeah. And we've seen a progression to manufactured taglines, one, that are dipped in a plastic coating or rubber coating. So it helps prevent them from wrapping around things. But the push sticks were one of those step changes as far as we've always had a rope yeah. to, to pull a load around. But then for somebody to say, don't put your hands on it. You have to use this stick was a complete mind blower for everybody who had been handling loads. Yeah. And they were like, it can't be done. It's impossible. It's an adjustment. We have to touch the load. And as safety, we're like, no, the policy is you cannot touch the load. And they said, it, it can't be done. It's going to crash. The world's going to come to an end. Am I right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, you're right. Did it come to an end? Nope. What happened? It got safer. What happened? Your hands were not getting hurt. It's amazing. But it's when just... you stop putting your hands on it, you can't crush them. We saved... I don't know how many hand and finger injuries yeah. with just that one stick. And it continues today and it will throughout your career, I'm sure. So for anybody who hasn't worked in the industry, y'all should know safety. We're like, oh man, that safety rep is just this. Or, yep, I'm just that. Nobody wants to follow safety because we feel 
it's a burden. But what it is really, we can't do our shortcuts. Once you start to realize that they're only looking out for you. you Why can't you do shortcuts? Because it's, what happens? It's, it gets the job done quicker. <laughs> Until? You get hurt. And then what happens? And then you can do, you get swamped in a bunch of paperwork. It takes a lot longer. That's why the industry is so different today because of all the fingers, which comes to the push decks, the rope, all that. Yeah. You know, um, while we were working in that country. Mm-hmm. Um, you can say it. Oh, we're working in Egypt. Okay. Yep. Um, I, a job where we needed to go under the rig floor, you know, it was a jack-up, right. it was a cantilever. Um, I was going to go out, I was suiting up to go out, and the company man said, no, 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 let let him do it, the Egyptian Derek can. And I said, no, it's dangerous, he can fall, he can die, let me do it, I know right. what I'm doing. His reply was, it's okay, we have a lot of men in this country that want to work. Yeah. And it was just like, no care in the world. That's right. No care. Welcome to the third world. That's right. They will throw men at a problem and they don't have the same regard. No. And it's, it's a challenge for us as a company to go into those places and to change those mindsets. Oh, yeah. I can give you an example. We were on the west coast of Africa and the crane window was cracked. So we sent to town for somebody to come out, measure be able to order or create us a, a new glass. So the boat comes out. We weren't even on contract. We were between contracts. The boat comes out. We send the Billy Pew basket down, pick the guy up. Let the motorcycle go by. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of got the doors open, so we get a little ambient noise. Sorry, guys. The Billy Pew lands on the heliport, and I'm up there to get the guy on board, and he's standing there in... A pair of shorts, a t-shirt, no shoes, no socks. And I look across at the rig manager and say, because he was on board, uh, what are we going to do? And he said, he's got to walk 30 feet over there. His feet are probably harder than leather. <laughs> and just let the guy go do, you know. And and we did. I mean, it was the country. Yeah. So I've seen it. It's not fun to hear it when you you feel it. They don't care. Yeah, they don't. No, well, they don't think about their safety. Not the same way. Yeah. Uh, one guy told me that um, uh, land, it was on a land job in Africa, mm-hmm. and all their barrels, the chemicals, the villagers would come take them. And he found out they were putting water, drinking water. Right. And he said that, uh, he told them, um, hey, man, that, that's got chemicals that are bad. Right. And he said the guy's response was, you're thinking about, or no, I mean, you're thinking about 20 years later, my health in 20, I'm thinking about tomorrow. And I was just like, man, like, he just don't. It's a different yeah. way of looking at the world. They're worried about making it through the week. Yeah. Not the month or the year. Through the year, you know, the next, how am I going to eat tomorrow and right. my family? And- we take water kind of serious, you know, I mean. Without it, you know it pretty fast. We don't experience that. No, no, no. We've got water everywhere. You've probably known nothing but bottled water no. almost your entire life. You've probably never drank out of a garden hose. No, no. No, not yet. See what I mean? Yeah. Man's 19 years old, never drank out of a garden hose. No. It's just, we find it humorous at my age because we grew up with a garden hose. It makes me laugh when he was a child. 
he came and uh, I picked him up and he, he tells me, did you know people used to be black and white? And I said, what do you mean? And he, he said, I watched a movie where the people were black and white. And I asked if he's watching TV with his grandma. He said, yeah, she's watching uh, TMC. All right. And it was a black and white. It TV was an old black and white yeah, TV show. Yeah. He had never seen it at the time. That's right. Yeah, it was crazy. There you go. Yeah, man. Telephones used to have cords. Yeah, he's <laughs> plugging the wall. Yeah. That's right. I got another funny story from uh, Egypt. All right. I, I got a funny one, too. Go ahead. Um, it was a driller. He was subbing in for uh, OIM. He's named after a city. His nickname, oh, can I can say nicknames, right? Oh, uh, yeah, he could. Oh, yeah. Uh, his nickname was Waco. Yep, in Texas. Yeah, I, I yeah. know this. I know this Texan. So we, uh, again, it's a production job. I'm dropping a bar down. And what the bar does is there's a, we call it jewelry. It's a glass tube that we put down in the, in the well. And when you break this glass, the well comes in, the gas or oil, whatever. Okay? So I dropped the bar. I don't know, seven, eight minutes go by. There's nothing on, on the manifold, no pressure. So we're waiting and, and um, they have me take off the gauge. And we're in the water through this gate. Mm-hmm. And the company man at the time, when we were running production tubing, he, I hadn't met him yet. And I thought he was a service hand. He walked right past me, bumped into me, and, you know, was really rude. He wants to know what I'm doing. And I tell him, I'm, I'm going to run water through this. And who told you? And I cut the water on, you know, I'm, I'm drenching this man. On his from his waist down, right? And he's hollering and screaming, and Waco's in the corner. He's just laughing. He's just, shaking his head. Yeah, he's he can't even breathe. So I cut the water off, and the company man is screaming and yelling, Who told you? And I didn't tell you to do that. And my big mouth says, Well, you're not my boss. And I look at Waco, and Waco's like, Do it again. And he's laughing. So there I go. I open the valve and I'm throwing water. Now I open it wide open and it's soaking up from the head down. He's, he's got pride. He will not move. Oh, and I'm like, are you stupid? Move, move, man. What are you doing? And he's like, uh, just screaming. And so I Waco's in the corner laughing. So I finally cut the water off. Right. And he's like, what's your name? And I said, uh, Pancho, P-A-N-C-H-O. And he got offended. I know how to spell. You don't tell me how to spell. And I said, who are you? I'm the company man. I was like, oh. Nice working with you. So I look at Waco. I mean, he's just (laughs) dying. And I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm going to. I know you are. Yeah. So um, the two pusher. Oh, he was playing two pusher. The two pusher actually didn't like me. He was from Scotland. But he stood up for me. It's a pretty lady. Just stuck her head in the door. I don't know who that was. Uh, oh, Adriana. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, he he uh, he wanted me off off the rig. He oh, wanted come me, on. He wanted me out of Egypt altogether. And he told uh, the two pusher, I forget his name. Anyways, he tells him I don't respect him. And the two pusher actually said, "Hey, respect doesn't come with the job. You have to earn respect." And, uh, they wrote me up. This was when Alan, man, um, Alan was out there. Yep. They did a little write up. And then after they wrote it up, they kept it for like a few days. Trash. Yeah. Right. Shredders. Yeah. Yeah. Never got sent to town. When we had the uh, rig fire, remember the rig fire we had? Uh, Yes. So the rig manager came out and uh, he says, you must be a poncho. 
I said, oh, yeah, how do you know? He says, man, everybody knows who you are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What's your story? Oh, so first time I got to Egypt. Well, let me ask you, Aiden, when you think you're going to Egypt, what's the first thing that pops in your head? The pyramids. Pyramids, right. And what else? Mostly the desert. Desert, right. And what's the temperature? Hot. Hot, right? Miserable, right? You're thinking pyramids and sand. Yes. I fly into Egypt. They put me on the chopper. We get out to the rig. It's about 60 degrees and wet and cold. And I didn't bring any cold weather gear. I, I had short sleeve shirt. And the temperature, that was in the middle of the day. I realized real quick, Egypt gets cold. I didn't know this. That was my first day on the rig. By day two and three, we had a cold front coming through. I was cold. It was just bone chilling cold, right? Yeah. I didn't have a jacket. I didn't have nothing. Of course, nobody else had a spare. We didn't have any gear in the rig. So crew change day, or the interpreter was going in. And I looked at him and I gave, I don't remember, a $50 bill or something. I gave him some money, plenty of money. And I said, go to town. Find me a jacket, just like you're wearing, and send it back out on the next chopper. I'm freezing, right? So this guy, the helicopter is landing when I'm doing this. I mean, it's like last second, thought about it. And he takes his jacket off, and he gives me his blue jean jacket. And I was like, no, no, I mean, just, he gives me my money back, and he gives me his jacket. And he's like, here, I'm going to town. I got plenty of jackets. I was like, thank you. I mean, you couldn't beat that with a stick, right? Literally saved me. I mean, I was freezing. So when I went home, I had a black leather diamond impressed jacket, leather jacket, nice jacket. Yeah. So I bring that back and I give him this black leather jacket. You would have thought I handed him a bucket full of gold. He was just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And I'm like, dude, you saved my butt. I was absolutely miserable. I have that blue jean jacket to this day. I still use it. And I hope he still has the black leather jacket. So here's the funny part. The next hitch, he comes back out. He was not wearing his black jacket. And I was like, dude, what what happened? You, You didn't like the jacket? He said, I love that jacket. I said, why do you love that jacket? And he said it kind of like I did. And I said, why? He said, in Egypt, the secret police wear black leather jackets. Uh-huh. He said, I walk down the street, a part and get out of my way. Nobody messes with me. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> this guy was one of those tall, Adonis Gorgeous guys, you know, he he had that perfect look and then put a black leather jacket on him. Oh, yeah. He was secret police. No doubt. He was from Cairo, wasn't he? Yes, indeed he was. So that was my crazy, you know, Egypt story is I still have that jacket. You never know who's going to do you a favor. Yeah. And it always comes back to pay off. And they were good people. Absolutely. They will feed you their last food, invite you into their home, meet your family, give you whatever they have. Do you remember the doves 
those the cooked doves they would cook. Yeah. Um, no, quail. Quail, it yeah. Quail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. To this day, I wish I could get that quail. I, I can see them cooking them. They just split it in half and lay it flat on the griddle. Whatever seasonings they used, unbelievable. Yeah. That and the fish, they caught the fish right out the Mediterranean. Oh, yeah. That's what they served as fresh fish, literally fresh. They would catch it. Yeah. My second favorite thing besides quail was one of the chefs. These guys were really cooks. I mean, they were good cooks. Yes, they were. On steak day, he would make Bernays sauce. And I had never heard of Bernays sauce in my life. I became addicted to this Bernays sauce. And since then, I can't get enough. I mean, it's just one of those sauces. And I've looked it up. I've made it at my house. Just to compare. No, no. I mean, that man knew exactly what he was doing. I know what cook you're talking about. Yep. He got off the helicopter. Aiden, I never seen this in my life. All the Egyptian men greeted him, hugged him, and they kissed on the cheek each side. And I was like, man, is this guy like Egyptian mafia? <laughs> but I found out he was the best cook in the area. Like, I believe it. Yeah. I believe it. Yeah. The respect. Yeah. That's what it was. It was respect. It was respect. Yeah. He's a good guy. He... And then our, our groceries. Now, our groceries came normal, but our beef, uh, that was a trip. That was. It was, a, it was a cow split down the middle, two hoofs, a tail, and the head was gone. And, and they hung it in the freezer, and he, they butcher yeah. our beef, our steak. That's how they, they, it was. You see, I seen them kill a cow on the street of Alexandria on yep. the sidewalk. I was gonna I was gonna say something. Yeah, I've I've seen a butcher shop and yeah. it's unlike anything you've ever seen in yeah. the real world. In and they the just West. do that on the open? Yeah. Absolutely. They hang yeah. they hang their meat on hooks. Yeah. And they'll they'll butcher it right there. Yeah. Sometimes in the street or if it's a good butcher shop, they'll do it inside. But yeah, it's different. I said I would never eat uh, street food, and uh, <laughs> I got drunk. Me and LJ got drunk. No, you did not. Yeah, right? <laughs> and, uh, not in Egypt. Um, we walked to KFC because we were like, all right, let's go get KFC. They didn't have no food, no chicken. So we're starving. And on the way back, LJ's like, we're going to do it, man. We're going to do it. And I was like, all right. And we get a whole meal for like seven American dollars. Right. It's a chicken, it's coleslaw, it's their bread. I forget what it's called. And it's another side. We devoured that <laughs> Nailed chicken. It. And was it good? Yeah, it was delicious. It really And is. I watched the flies when he grabbed it. I watched the flies fly away. I was like, I'll never eat like that. And I did. It was delicious. And there's a lot of things out there that, at least in America, we don't experience. We don't see it immediately kind of shut off to it. But whenever you're around it, whenever you travel overseas, you get a different feel. Uh, you almost, when in Rome, you have to, you know, act like the Romans or when in Egypt. Yeah. You eat fly soup. That's right. <laughs> you never know. Soup. No, just no. so many flies out there. Yeah. Ramadan. Remember Ramadan? Oh my gosh. Bro, these men would not eat from dusk till dawn. So that's the religion, right? Yeah. Uh, Islam. Yeah. And, and uh, they don't cuss. They don't. They don't do anything bad, as far as the Muslims look at it. Drinking, eating. It's a uh, like we we do fasting, but I forget what it's called uh, for them. It's a sacrifice they do for their right their religion. religion. And um, is it, how long is it? 
I don't know, 30 days, 30 days 40 man. days. Yeah. yeah. It was an experience because that's when I went to see the pyramids during Ramadan. Mm. And I didn't understand the behavior, why they were acting this way. Right. They can't eat, smoke, drink. We had to be very careful on the rig. Yeah. And on the way back to the hotel, there's literally people on the streets and they're giving like, uh, it's, it's the juice and it's like, like sweet water. Yeah. And a cracker because everybody's gone all day without eating or drinking and they're just handing it out to everybody. It was, it was, I didn't understand at first, but now I understand why they did all that. Right. And we, we had a problem on the rig because people were working hard during the day and Pass not out. eating and they would get sick. Like they were getting dehydrated and stuff. They had a prayer room. Smaller than this almost. Yeah. And, um, I remember I would have to go to the Derek to get the Derek man out. And he would just walk to the side and they just take cardboard and they pray every day, so many times a day. Yep. It was an experience. Yeah. I learned yeah. a lot. It was culture shock for me. That was my first time out of the country. Oh, it was the first time out of yeah. the country. Yeah. Yep. So, good people. Yeah. Yeah, they're really good people. After you after you work and you and you actually meet them, they're just people. Yeah. What else you got? Anything else fun and exciting? Um, what are you doing these days? I love this story, by the uh, way. I asked him at lunch, right? I was trying to get him a job on a drill ship. I meet him up this afternoon for lunch and I said, hey, you know, did you send in an application? He's like, no. So what are you doing, Poncho? I'm actually doing Uber. He's doing Uber. I love it. I got a, I got a Ram 1500 with the Emmy. I do Uber in it. I enjoy it. I don't want to go back to work. I understand. But I am. It's just a break I'm taking. You meet all kinds of people doing Uber. Yes, it, indeed. It pays the bills. Last week, the Uber app tells you how many hours. Coincidentally, well, 40 hours. Okay. I'm making really good, you know? Oh, good. Yeah. No, I, I love it. I mean, I got a friend that does it. We've already discussed this all at lunch. Hey, if it's paying the bills, it's a job. It is a job, man. It is. And it keeps them close. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So you, Aiden, you want to tell us a, a daddy gone to work story? So usually it would just be me because I'm an only child, but I would always get my cousins sometimes. And most of the stuff we did was horse around, mostly me and my, can I just say other names? Sure. Me and my cousin, Poppy. The nickname? Yeah, that's okay. You can say names. It's just yeah. We were just mostly horse around. He would uh, when he was younger. I found out he knew what country I was going to. He would do research on those countries. Ah, that's and, cool. Yeah, so I get back and he'd tell me about a little bit about the country I didn't know. Nice. Yeah, and I was. He started to understand about two. He didn't understand where I was. Right. And I had a lot of voicemails. Of him, <laughs> and, uh, I wish I had them today. I know. To them. I know. They grow up too fast. They really do. Yeah. But he's right, man. I, I'm I'm close to home. Good. And uh, a lot of people don't really realize that, you know, we're out away from our families. and We spend half of our life out there. Yeah. At least when you're working full time. Yeah, that's true. And we miss a lot. Yeah, we do birthdays, holidays. The old stories I would hear of people getting home and not even knowing somebody passed or something happened. Right. You know, and I just, like, I can't imagine. We had phones. You know, you still had to have, like, a phone card or... Yeah, we did. Yeah. We had that call from overseas. You had an overseas phone card. Yeah. Oh, I got a, another funny story about a phone. All right. The OIM 
on the spur, the tall skinny feller. Uh-huh. I was in his office, ESing around, and uh, he's talking to me, and I'm acting like I'm on the, on his satellite phone, <laughs> and I'm just blabbing on and blabbing on, and he's like, "What are you talking about?" And I'm like, "Hey, man, I'm on the phone. It's kind of rude." His mouth dropped, <laughs> and he's like, "Pancho." What are you doing? <laughs> Hang that up. You know how much that costs? <laughs> and I was like, I don't care. You're being rude. Oh. <laughs> he grabbed the phone from me and he just went and he realized, <laughs> and I'm, I'm laughing. Right. And he was like, ah, you about gave me a heart attack. $15 a minute. Yeah, what do man. you mean? Come on. Yeah, I forgot about that story. Yeah. That was a good guy, though, man. Yeah, he was. He, he could is. take a joke. Yeah. All right, buddy. I'm going to start uh, winding this thing up. Believe it or not, that's 50 minutes. Wow, I can't even believe that. I know. It's crazy, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, man. Damn. You got some more stories? We'll save them for another trip. That sounds like a plan. I, I've been meaning to go to Louisiana. Well, you have to come visit, and yeah. I'll get us set up in a cooler spot. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. Not just... No, this was great. This was great. I think it worked out good. I mean, yeah. temperatures actually doing pretty good. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, you're the only one sweating, but you have to do all the work. Yeah, well, you have to get everything up. set up. Yeah, so it's only fair. That's all right. I'm going to go uh, break this down and go visit with Brian and hopefully make another episode there. Here you go, man. All right. Thank you, Pancho. Thank you for having me, Nathan. Hey, thank you. You betcha. Y'all have a good day. Nomad Mobile Productions is a broadcasting and media production company that produces podcasts and provides a mobile podcast studio complete with audio and video recording equipment. We also offer post-production processing, editing, marketing, and publication for podcasts. Our mobile production studio will come to you. Visit our webpage, nomadmobileproductions.com, or our Facebook, 